Hello, hello. Welcome back to the CTO studio. I, of course, am your host, Nikolai Walker, on the mic and in your ear, my favorite place to be with the content that you want and the content that you need. We are joined once again in studio with Brant Cooper, two-time author, and we're in the middle of a conversation talking about competitive advantage. So what I want to ask is, is there anything you'd like to add to this conversation or anything that maybe we've missed? Take it away, Brant. I think that the, the one other thing I want to throw in there is this idea around uncertainty. And, and you know, you and I, again, we've, we've sort of chatted about this before, but if, if for a moment we can imagine where where everybody in the company is on a team. So everybody is working in some sort of a quote unquote agile fashion. And the diff- the sprint lengths can differ. The you know missions differ. How the managers want to implement their version of agile can differ. It doesn't have to be uniform. It's not one, a one size fits all approach, yada, yada, yada. You're inside of an organization when you're developing a product, there's some things that you know to be true. And so your agile team that is working on known stuff is all engineers doing things that they know. The, the team is formed maybe by the different level, the different disciplinary skills, the different domain expertise in order to accomplish their mission. But as you get towards the market for a new product, you've got increased uncertainty around whether you're going to build the right thing, whether there's you know, understanding the marketing, understanding what the customer needs are, understanding the selling, where there's more uncertainty, your agile team becomes more cross-functional. And this is then how you get the alignment between the different parts of the organization. It's how you get marketing and product management and engineering and sales and support, all of these different parts aligned because as you increase uncertainty, the agile team is made up of representatives from all of those groups. And it's their responsibility to figure out the unknown part of launching a new product. And then they get to bring that all back down into their organization. And so there's this, there's this shared responsibility for getting the product out as opposed to the very classic linear siloed way where a product is finally released and launched. And sales can't sell it, so they blame marketing and marketing can't, you know, nobody cares and they blame, you know, engineering. And I mean, it's just a circle jerk at that point. But if you have in that very, the responsible team for the go to market where there's a lot of uncertainty is a cross-functional team. Then with the cross-functional team though, you have the, you have a different challenge, right? You have uh, personality profiles and biases, you can have that even in those meetings. Like, well, the engineer is just going to say it can't be done. The marketer is going to be uber excited about what the possibilities and the salesperson just needs to know when it's got done so they can start selling it. So it's so I think idealistically having it be cross-functional when there's uncertainty, you, you're dealing with the how do you collaborate? Well, I mean, it's it's really hard. It, there's a there's a, you know a a lot of experience underneath their belts that they need to like let go of. But I mean, in a true agile empowered agile team fashion, you know, they're responsible for for the release. They're not there responsible as representing their 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 group. Um, they're there as it's the same way we were talking about the C suite in the past is that they're all responsible for all aspects of the release 
they can bring their own expertise because they have it, but it's not as I'm here representing engineering. No, I'm here because um, I want to work here and I want to accomplish this mission, which is the successful launch. Um, and so when marketing needs, you know, some engineering resources to do some growth hacking work, you know, the, the engineer there on the team can either supply it herself or, you know, can go back and try to find resources. And so it's in, it, you, you're, you're, I guess it is idealistic of me, but the idea is that, you know, you're, you're responsive to the mission and that that's what you're there bought into, not there representing your group. Yeah. So I see, I see that team then as somehow, if I could just describe perfection, Somehow the engineers work on something and they have an awareness that, wow, this is something that's going to help my company. That to me already feels like a massive chasm because you're under pressure. You, you know, your, your sprint manager is going to, you know, is going to be concerned about your progress to the cards that have been designated. Uh, Then, I guess it needs to be a process where you can teach, educate, excite your employees about, hey, you know, we can drive our competitiveness on a top level strategically, but for us to survive and for us to take it into the next level, yes, let's try this VR goggles way to change directory into a new path. Uh, let's try, or let's try the the hand wave motion. You know, how, how does <laughs> it's definitely not for everybody, right? But I mean, the I guess the the, the positive side is that there's not going to be that many cross functional teams inside of a company. But so uh, to me, again, the best analogy is a special forces team, right? So you have just because you have special forces doesn't mean you don't have an army squad anymore, right? You have an army squad, and you've got you know twenty five. Uh, uh, Riflemen or whatever the modern terminology is, right? And, and so, you know, you can even have, you have teams within within those teams, right? But a special forces is, no, we have a mission. You know, we're going to go take out Saddam Hussein or, or whatever, you know, uh, Osama bin Laden. And so what we're going to do is put on that team the right skills, Right. But it's a special forces. Right. It's a Navy SEALs team. So it's not like they're just pulling, you know, 10 people from the Army squad. They're actually they're people that have the right mentality and they're trained in a particular way and that they are then able to perform regardless of hierarchy. They're able to perform in service to the mission. And so uh, I would guess and this is what I firmly believe, to be honest, is that companies have those people. And those people are most likely now being wasted inside the organization because they're just doing stuff that they're told to do or they're being made into managers, even though they don't want to manage anybody because that's the normal old school 20th century way of of promoting people is you take your rock star engineer who doesn't want to manage anybody, (laughs) he wants to like code and we go, no, no, now you're a manager. No, but so you you put an individual like that on a special forces team and then they get to work with different parts of the organization in order to accomplish a mission. And so I, I, it is, it is not the prevalent attitude inside the company, but there are people like that. I guarantee you in your company.
so so let me take the Osama bin Laden example. Let's say I'm aware that there's a mission and we're planning the mission and we're all, I'm part of the special forces squad and all that. And one night I go out for drinks with my buddies in Afghanistan and I walk into a pub and I'm like, holy shit, he's sitting in the corner of this bar right now. We have a whole mission to take him out on uh, over there, but now I'm just seeing him right here. So you're not going to take out your pistol and start shooting, right? Or should you? Well, I don't know, but... Uh... The reason I'm going there is because of the oppor- innovation, ideas, the creativity often presents itself at the most inopportune times. The business never seems ready to formulate a mission around an idea. The idea comes, people have ideas, people are creative. So how does one empower that? Well, so I think that they're, I think that they're in your, in your actual example, I'm guessing that those people have rules of engagement. And so they know what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do in that moment. And so I think that they, they're, so there's a there's a culture and there's ethics and there's rules and all of those things apply inside of a business um, as well. That's a very important. Um, you know what you should do? You should make ethics one of your E's. Hey, good idea. I should write that down. Does that make six or seven E's? <laughs> I'm up to fourteen E's now. Actually, that is that's a very very good point, uh, which deliciously crumbles my uh, my little bar, walks walks into a bar uh, analogy. Uh, is yeah the rules the, the rules of the rules of participating in the system of participating in the uh, for instance like just because you had a good idea is not a great reason to tell your director of engineering the next day that you didn't actually work on the thing because you had this other idea. There could be there could be rules of engagement to say, hey, listen, if you have a solid idea, this is the process that we follow at the company to, and, and this is how we incentivize. We're super jazzed that you have them. But please, you know, as CTO, as our... Um, uh, uh, you know, we want these things to bubble up. We want, we, we encourage this type of creativity and these types of ideas. But there is a way to be involved in the process that does require adherence to rules and, and common understandings. Right. And we don't, and in most organizations, we don't do that very well, to be honest. And so I think that the, you know, the example we were laying out before was a product that we had already decided to build and, and you know, whether we do the big launch and how can we do that better, Right. Um, but companies do need to have ways for employees to feel empowered that they can come up with ideas. But ideas really are a dime a dozen. I mean, there's just no value in ideas. With the value, it comes from evidence that the ideas are good ones. And so I don't even want people to bring me ideas. I want you to bring me evidence that the idea is a good one. And, and are you willing to do any of the groundwork yourself on your own time how passionate are you about this particular idea? Are you willing to go talk to customers first? Are you willing to go and run a lean startup experiment to try to figure out if there's any data you can gather in order in support of your idea? But now you're pissing all over at Brant. Hey, 
hey, you have a cool idea. You have a cool idea, but I'm not interested until you go do all this other shit work. Ideas literally are dime a dozen. Bring me evidence that your idea is good. Well, ideas, in my mind, ideas are conversation starters. Dude, you know, companies just, you know, put up a suggestion box. Freaking suggestion box. <laughs> you just like you pull out the bottom drawer of the suggestion box and there's a trash can underneath. Suggestion box, a.k.a. the circular file. But listen, I hear about this all the time. I mean, there's a ton of companies and there's a bunch of platforms out there that it's just to manage ideas. And there are people that will sit back and go like, oh, you know, I... I, I sent in 10 ideas last month and none of them have been worked on. And it's like, well, screw you. Like, why do you think anybody should work on your idea? It's like, you know, you go into Quora and every other question is, how do I, how do I get investment without people stealing my idea? And I'm all like, nobody gives a shit about your idea. Literally. <laughs> I can't, I can't can't help everybody. I mean, I just, I think that if you think you've got a great idea, then, then you ought to be able to go to bat for it. Um, yeah. There's no company that I've worked with that didn't have a shortage of ideas or they did have a shortage of ideas. None of them have a shortage of ideas. They have too many ideas. And so if a company has too many ideas, then you, you know, it's just a supply and demand problem, right? You've got to create a, a hurdle for those ideas to get over. And if you don't, then decisions are made the same hierarchical command and control way that they've always been made. The top people, the hippos in the room, choose completely randomly without any evidence. Oh, I like that idea, but I, oh, I hate all of those ideas. Well, th that leader doesn't know shit. They don't know that one idea is better than the others. And so it actually is, it puts the power back into a structure where the centralized makes the decisions, even though it's the people out on the edge that have the data. So to me, it's like you're just not doing anybody any service by just saying, yeah, bring me all your ideas. No, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm just wondering for the, um, again, for the engineering team who may have developers who don't want to gather evidence because they don't like talking to people. or Yeah, in a mature organization, they'll have – They'll have the 10% free time. So the engineer feels empowered that they can actually go and do that. And they maybe even have an experiment infrastructure set up. Intuit has this where, you know, between January and April of every year, they take a sliver of their traffic and it's all just experiment traffic. And so all of the other, you know, all of these people like get to take that sliver of traffic and run experiments against that sliver of traffic in order to do split testing. So that's a you know pretty mature process, but it's something that a, a CTO even can you know can decide to implement. That there's these ways we're going to set up this experiment infrastructure, and we're going to actually team with product management or team with marketing, so that if you actually want to go talk to customers, we're going to help you do that. We're going to enable that. We'll go with you or whatever. I mean, so there's different levels of maturity inside of an organization where the resources are supplied so that that engineer actually isn't just off on their own, but there's a process for them to follow in order to generate the evidence. So I guess, I guess the point, the point is just defining what going to bat looks like. So the evidence doesn't mean, you know, the evidence could mean different things in different companies. And, but at the point is just graduate your idea from a brain fart to a, an actual potential doable evidence generating something. 
So what would a potential application of this look like? I have, I'm, a, I'm on my engineering team. While we're, discover, while we're coding something, we discover something. Uh, gave us an idea to implement a new feature. A potential application could be, okay, great. Those ideas, there are thousands of those. Can you then maybe plus that idea with some evidence that would show the person, the decision maker, whatever, the manager, that, what you know what, this isn't just something we came up with. We actually can show you analytics that, you know, we actually ran a quick A-B test, sir, without y'all knowing. And we, yes, here it is. So it's actually the, 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 the communication presentation skill. I love it. And then you train, 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 drive home, train on that. Brant, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop us right here and then I'm going to do part two with you. So we will be back next week with our final interview with Grant Cooper, who's the author of Lean Entrepreneur, and he's also the author of Disruption Proof. That book is available on Amazon.com. Now, if you would please go over and subscribe to the podcast, which is available in iTunes. And remember, our CTOs are diving further into this topic and other topics and challenges in our monthly forum group. So head over to 7CTOs.com to learn more about that. I'll see you again next week.